Hey guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? It's Essence Carson. Hey, this is Imani Media Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation, hello again. Uh, it's still finals time. I don't know if you've noticed. It's It's been like on TV and stuff. Uh, welcome to another WNBA final edition of the show. I'm Steve Schwartzman here with Logan Jones. Logan, how are you? I'm great. Good to be here. Awesome. I, I came equipped. I'm in my, my Breaking Tea Super mask shirt. It felt appropriate. Um I'm, uh, honor the, I'm pretty jealous. Go, we're, on, but... we're on video on video Zoom, so I can see it. And I'm realizing I don't have enough like breaking tea style WNBA shirts to sport. The and problem I, is once you start doing it, you suddenly don't have an income. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it's a slippery slope because I'll want all of them. Yeah, they bust out good shirts um, like every other day. And I, I'll, I've had a lot where I've literally gotten to the cart and I'll go to click and be like, wait. This probably isn't smart. The one shirt they have that I, that I don't have that I need to finally just do it is the Hamby Shot shirt. That's my favorite Breaking T-shirt. That, I haven't that had one's yet. really good. And then I saw the one steel, tonight. Yeah. Uh, it was tweeted by at Phoenix Flies 4. And it's just welcome to the Wubble with six caricatures of like this season's WNBA stars. And it's oh, really. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's four, probably happening Phoenix huh four. please please let us know where you got that <laughs> it's weird because like i've been very i get really particular about buying sports gear just because i have so much of it and you know i don't necessarily wear t-shirts and stuff to work so it's like how often am i gonna wear this stuff so i've been very selective so for instance as a basketball fan um like with like la lakers stuff uh i i've had this in my head that like if they were to win the championship this year I want to start a tradition where if I have a team who wins a championship, instead of buying like the title shirt, I only do it if they do the classic cartoon caricature shirt. You know how teams always did that? And they don't do yes. it anymore. Yes. They do the whole roster. Yes. And they're all like cartoons. Like I'll only buy that shirt. Uh, I know exists. it's, I know it's not classy to ask for Christmas presents, but if you can find vintage blazer t-shirts with like the old caricature guys, like Jerome Kersey and Kevin Duckworth in that era, um i the, the the ones that are famous is you have uh dairy queen used to give away glasses and you could collect all the glasses and so we have several glasses that we don't use because they're fragile and and we value them in our household but i don't personally but my parents have a bunch of those um and they used to put those on shirts and i think those are the coolest you're right those are yeah like that and bobbleheads are worth it timeless every time so so there's our breaking tea ad. They don't sponsor us yet, but maybe one day. Hashtag um, awesome. <laughs> That's good fun. Let's talk game two, Logan. This one, uh, pretty well chalked. Game one was a hard-fought 13-point victory for the Seattle Storm. Game two was a hard-fought 13-point victory for the Seattle Storm. <laughs> uh, it's funny how things tend to work out. Uh, Seattle had three players with 20 or more points. Stewie dropped 22 points, which isn't going to shock anyone. However, the other two were Natasha Howard and Alicia Clark, which add to the narrative of this team gets more frightening the more you think about it <laughs> when you consider how many people they have who could pull 20 and 10 on a given night if they absolutely had to. Um, top scorer for 
Vegas, of course, is Asia Wilson. Asia Makachu dropped 17 of her own. Uh, and Emma Cannon with a solid 17 and 5. And that was probably my favorite performance of the night was Emma Cannon. Because yeah. that kind of came out of nowhere. It was pretty darn sweet. Uh, that said, I just your overall impressions of the of the night. Yeah, my big takeaway was it looked like uh I, I mean game one, the aces just didn't look engaged. Maybe it was just mental fatigue from the previous series. That would make a lot of sense. Uh, it could have also just been that the Storm have been here before. Eight of their uh, players from the 2018 title winning team still play for this roster. And the Aces pretty much haven't. Not a lot of players on this team have been on this stage before. Whatever reason, it didn't look like they had it game one. Game two, the offense looked a lot more involved. They were moving the ball better. They were better. It, everything we said in our last episode that they needed to change offensively, I think, happened. They were really effective um, shooting from distance. They shot 42%. They shot over 50% for the game from the floor. The problem is the defense still didn't get it done. Um, because as you mentioned, the, the deficit in both games, they lost by double digits. They, they lost by 13 in each game. And I think it came from, you know, this is the sort of offensive performance that could have had them in game one. Um, but now it's game two and the storm are figuring things out on their end as well. And the aces, I mean, it's surprising because I think Bill and beard knows how to coach good defense. Um, uh, but there's just not, they don't look like they have the horses to, to run with, this Seattle storm team. And, and to be honest, it's kind of hard to blame them when look at us, we're sitting in the exact same seats. We were sitting in 48 hours ago, talking about game one, didn't even bring up Alicia Clark who had a real run at defensive player of the year this year. She didn't win it. She was a unanimous all defensive team selection and Natasha Howard, who was last year's defensive player of the year. They both were two main offensive contributors tonight. So when players can play, you know, any given night, you can have different stars step into these, these shoes and be the main, you know, scorers. Jewel Lloyd, quiet night offensively, just eight points. They didn't need anything more from her. Um, if you're the aces in practice or, or just talking about the tape from game one, you think, all right, let's focus our attention on Jewel Lloyd, make sure she doesn't kill us. And then it comes from somewhere else. This, this storm team is just too good. Um, and I, I don't know what defensive adjustments you make at this point. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of frustration to this because there's a lot of cases where I feel like the Aces put in as much, especially in the second half, as much effort as they could. This was a six-point game heading to the half, and Vegas went on a 6-0 run to start the half to tie it up at 48, and they toggled between leads in the third quarter, and then it, it was one of those weird things where just like, the storm were up seven at the end of the quarter. I don't even know how that, how it happened. The game was very close. Not all of a sudden they just kind of had, it's like this weird thing where these top end teams just have like a bonus card. They could flip <laughs> like, Oh, by yeah. the way, we're up seven. Like yeah. it, it was a really strange scenario. And that's a frustrating thing as a team like Vegas, who are very well disciplined, who obviously have stars that are doing their best to show up. They looked a lot better and more in sync tonight. And they're up against a team that could just find a way to convert with that. And like I said, I mean, Clark and Howard really changed the scene here because first of all, one shot, 75%, one shot, 90% from the field. It's not even funny. Um, and 
if you had Jewel Lloyd who shot 40% comparatively, that's that's not ter- it's not terrible comparatively. Pretty pretty low, only dropped eight points, but it's one of those nights where she didn't really need to do more than that. Super dropped in with another double-digit assist night because that's going to happen. Um, this is one of those teams that just seems really locked in, seems really comfortable. And now we're facing that certain scenario where we've, to my understanding, never seen a team come back from a 2-0 deficit in a series in league history. And what do you do if you're the aces to even so much as entertain that thought? Because I thought, for instance, I thought McBride looked pretty solid. She was five for nine from the field. Yeah. Yeah. About 14 points. Asia Wilson went 20 and seven. McCautry looked pretty, pretty decent shot 50% from the field. Emma Cannon was a great role player who came out of nowhere and dropped 17 points of her own. And they still lost by 13. It's just like, what more can you truly ask for? Yeah. Does do we need an Asia Wilson 40 point night to <laughs> well to actually I'll say no. And here's here's what I'll say. I, you you asked the question a second ago, what do you do? I'll I don't know, but I'll tell you what I wouldn't do, and that's turn these games into the offensive shootouts that they've been. Because I, you know, we've seen this Aces team win a playoff game in the 60s, and it wasn't pretty. It was, it was the worst playoff game probably we've seen this year. But they pulled out mm-hmm. the win because they dirtied it up a little bit. They got physical, and they were able to, to pull it out in, in a really close kind of grinded out game. If if Asia Wilson, the Vegas' is, Aces' best player, I don't think that's controversial, versus Bree Stewart, the, the Storm's best player, turns into a shootout, well, you know, Bree Stewart can shoot it from all over the floor. She was 5 of 8 from 3. Asia Wilson doesn't take threes. Uh, and she really has to push the issue in order to get her shots near the basket. So I don't think, you know, force feeding Asia Wilson and and turning it into a shootout is going to favor the Aces. I Certainly they were better at scoring in the paint tonight. And I, I think that is certainly one of their keys. Um, but if, if yeah. you look at everything else they did in this game, I mean, the Aces out-rebounded by quite a bit. It was a 34 to 26 battle of the boards in favor of Vegas. Um, they they shot three pointers. Well, they shot over 50% from the floor. I don't think you can do it with offense. I think defensively you got to force more than 10 Seattle turnovers. I think that's a major issue. If you're, if you're the Vegas team, it's just not getting added chances, chances on the other end of the floor because Seattle's taking care of the ball too well. Yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's you have to find a way to disrupt Seattle's rhythm early on uh, and it's I think there's a, a possibility there it just comes down to really picking your spots this game didn't really feel competitive until the third quarter you kind of need to see Vegas try to control a half uh, before you can feel too confident about it and I think they have it in them it's it's just one of those cases of you know I, I think it leads to that next question that I feel like would be a good discussion point of just what is what is Bill Ambeer's speech to this team? Back against the wall, you know, you have to do what's never been done to pull this off. How do you possibly set that tone? Yeah, I I think you start with uh the classic that the you know the Terry Francona, you know, it's hard enough to think about winning one game against these guys. Uh, but you you can't even really be thinking about the series right now being 0-2. You just got to think about game three 
on the 6th on ESPN and what you're going to do to stay alive. Um, you don't, you don't think about winning the title or Seattle winning the title in this game. Um, you just, you play the best defense you've ever played in your life. You got to force more turnovers. You got to push the issue on offense. There's only two players on the aces that shot free throws in this game. And Angel McCautry only took one. Um, Wilson took four. You, you That's can't, a good point. You know, it, it's great getting a lot of rebounds and shooting a good percentage. But if the other team's doing the same thing, you got to create separation somewhere. You got to get to the line. You got to play more physical on all both ends of the floor. You got to be the aggressor. No, and that's a really good point. Like the free throw disparity and then the turnover disparity are really what tell the story here. Both teams seem to shoot well. Defensive stats look decent, if not solid. And I feel like it came down to Vegas had a harder time holding onto the ball and couldn't get to the line. Uh, and it's it's that case of, okay, so how do we flip that switch? How do we turn that around? And I think that you kind of hit that play. Like, you know, when I say play dirty, I don't mean play like cheat and play unfair, but try to make it a sloppy game for Seattle. You know, what can you do to put a wrench into that armor? Because I think as, as soon as you add, as soon as pluckiness becomes a factor or scrappiness becomes a factor, this is an aces game. And I, I think they, that's where they consistently have a shot. And yeah. And your mindset definitely makes sense. You have to kind of think away from the end of the series, you know, you have to have like the Kevin Millar, like, don't like put us to bed tonight mentality. Like don't let us win tonight. Cause then, then who knows what will happen. Right. And it's, I, I think it's, this ACC team is talented. It's a team that you can't necessarily count out on those factors, but we'll just have to see. It's it's hard because if I'm being completely honest, I'm trying to really find those keys to success. When quite honestly, this is me dropping the prediction too early. I think that, I think it's over on Tuesday. I don't see a metric where you do enough to quiet the Seattle team because they not only seem confident, they seem relaxed. Uh, I don't sense a lot of pressure coming from them and a lot can change in one night. It's not, this isn't me saying like the aces are full and honest out, but I just, that's just where my head goes. And I think it it sounds funny because she had 22 points and played really excellently in this game, but I think you almost have to funnel the ball to Bree Stewart and, and lock down everyone else and maybe try that straight. I've, I've seen that work for a lot of teams before basically being, you know, we will shut down every option and then, you know, Bree Stewart might finish with 40 points, but no one else is getting anything. Because this game, I, what's really fun in this game is if you take a look at the shot chart on ESPN, Bree Stewart didn't take a shot inside the paint in this game. She only took two inside the arc. Um, it's, well, she took, she, she took three or four, but she made two inside the arc. Most of her makes were from three. She hit five of eight from beyond the arc, and she hit two other field goals that were just kind of mid-range jumpers. Everyone doing damage in the paint, Natasha Howard, 20 points, two feet, you know, away from the basket. You have to, you know, you got 34 rebounds. You need to out-rebound enough that Natasha Howard isn't getting a a 20-burger on you just by standing around the basket and and cleaning up. You know, you you have to make Bree Stewart be that player who has to come in and help with the offensive rebounding and not just stand out and hit freeze on you because that's, there's no answer for that if you don't even force her to have to go inside. No, I, I totally agree on that front. And I think it's, you know, it's a tough case. There's a, there's a lot of things that dial into 
what you can pull off. But obviously, this feels like just an overwhelming momentum toward a sweep on on Tuesday. That said, I do kind of want to ask. Um, I, I kind of want to go down the gauntlet with each of these players and get your thought process. How different is the conversation if this player's in the equation? And I'm going to start, I'm kind of going to have this go gradually. I'll actually start bigger and go smaller. But how different is this conversation if Liz Cambage is playing? Yeah, she she would most directly address what I was just talking about. I don't think Natasha Howard feasts offensively with Liz Cambage in the game. And in fact, I think it allows Vegas to slow the game down more. Um, throw it into the post and try to get some easy offense or to the foul line with Cam Beige. Um, hopefully get some of the defensive stalwarts in Seattle into some foul trouble instead of pretty much just letting them out their way all game. There was obviously not a paint protector um, that was that was proving really e- efficient in this game. You, you, you saw in game one, Natasha Howard is not going to go off offensively every night. She's someone you can contain. Um, and so yeah. I, I, think, I think her efforts and Alicia Clark um, her efforts tonight, th- those were really the difference in this game for me because those are players I don't think uh, Vegas really tried as much to focus on. Is that makes it, you know, they're playing team defense. They want to shut everyone down, but they were especially aware of Jewel Lloyd and her, you know, Jewel pretty much just sticks to one half of the floor, whereas Alicia Clark all over the floor hitting threes. Sue Bird this game all over the floor hitting threes. Um, Natasha Howard, no one really competing with her to, to, you know, for cleanup duty. You just can't let that happen. Um, so with, with Liz Cambage, I think the entire, as you said, you were starting big. I think the fabric of this whole series is very different with Cambage. And I think the percentage chance that the aces uh, actually take a game or two definitely goes up from, you know, 10% at the beginning of the series to 30. So I think we know pretty obviously like the spectrum of that switch is pretty quickly, right? Because for no other reason than you've got both your stars, all three of your stars on the court and you're able to add to that dynamic and a lot of the firepower that Seattle brings, they have a bigger obstacle to to overcome physically and just skill wise, right? It's, it's Liz Cambage. Now we knew all season that wasn't a factor. That wasn't an option. Hmm. So I think the discussion switches a little bit because we have an idea probably of what could happen. But how different is this conversation if Derek Hamby is playing? Uh, it is different uh, because she is uh, – sounds so stupid – because she's a difference maker. I think you could label her that. Um, I Do I think she's the difference between the Aces winning and losing this series? No. Ultimately, I don't. Um, but I do think games like this where – you know, the storm got out to an early lead. They really created separation in the second quarter. And then Vegas did what good teams do. And they made it competitive in the middle of the third quarter. When you really need minutes from not starting players, that's when Seattle got its separation and never gave it back the whole fourth. And I think if, if, if that last couple minutes, let's say the last six minutes of the third quarter, Dierica Hamby's in there doing damage. then suddenly the fourth quarter is a dog fight instead of Seattle playing comfortably with a lead. I see your thought process of is does she necessarily tip the scales on winning a game? Maybe not. I will say she puts many more windows on the table for you to capitalize on that. Yeah. I yeah. think we talked about the importance of if you can make things a scrappy game, you really give Vegas a lot of chances. And that's something Hamby is as good at that as any other player in the league. 
is disrupting flows and and making it down to who's got the pluckiness to make it through now and that, yeah that, that said i i think all respect to, to hamby and and um what she's done this year and on this vegas team they did have a player step up from the bench and play 28 minutes and go eight of 10 for 17 points and yeah, I, you know, we, we mentioned Cannon a little bit earlier, but I do think we should give her some props for really being, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a major factor in this game. I, I don't know if we ever brought her up on mic before this episode. Um, yeah. and I, but that just goes to show, like, if they have that kind of depth without Hamby, you know, she really could have been the one to put them over the top in a game like this that, you know, they, they did have a chance in the third to kind of catch and maybe even take a lead. If you were able to couple what Emma Cannon did with this the ability of of Derek Hammy and her ability to kind of disrupt I think that puts so much more value into the minutes that they're getting especially in those pivotal bench moments he talked about mid third which is a high value time for the bench to convert I think the bench performance has been the most frustrating thing for me in a lot of cases from Vegas because you have such a capable crew who could really get a lot done I mean we've talked about Emma Cannon talked about missing Hamby. we haven't brought up sugar rogers we haven't brought up jackie young and yeah, well yeah like, i think we haven't brought up jackie young because she was she was kind of invisible out there tonight she did not have a good game but you're right about sugar rogers doing some good things i mean in general by the way i don't mean tonight oh, i mean yeah, yeah, yeah we should they should be discussion points more often we should see more productive minutes out of them and what you said is exactly why i think there's been some mental acuity where the bench needs to understand like we can come in and wreck things, I think helps a little bit. And I think Hamby adds a little bit to that, that confidence. Now, my last thought, my last question, similar to all these adds to that mindset, but might be a little bit different. Cause obviously I don't think this generally has a huge wave, but it's a fun one to think about. Also, it's the other player involved that we can discuss, but how different is this if Kelsey plums on the court? Um, I wish we knew. That's the toughest one because you, you might you might. <laughs> I had a feeling it's where it was going. Because um, you might just say like, well, of those three players you mentioned, she's probably like the the least impactful. I think she is bought into Lambeer's system the most of any player on that team, and defensively, I think she adds some. And offensively, I I certainly think she adds another another body at least to throw out there and. Um, create shots get to the foul line dirty the game up a little bit like we said um if if you you keep mentioning the word scrappy i think i think if you want someone who can grind in a really difficult physical game plum is the player that i would really like as a as a yep. on the floor uh i yeah. again any one player even i, I think cambage has the best argument but no one player probably turns this aces team into a juggernaut like this like the storm team they're facing but I, I think I'm really excited to see the 2021 Aces and how they respond to what happens this postseason because I think they will continue to be on an upward trajectory because of getting those players back. Yeah, I think it's – there are two comparisons that the Storm have that I think have that same discussion of it actually might take you farther than you think. Kelsey Plum, I think, gives the Aces the same type of value that Sammy Whitcomb has given Seattle for a long time, that Jordan Canada is giving them right now, where if you have a bench player that can just play at a tempo above almost anyone else on the court, that can also give you 
10 points and a handful of assists in the minutes that they have that put that turns a two point game into an eight point game. You know, that, that suddenly makes things more controllable. And I think she has that in here. Now that's to say that has to be coupled with stellar performance from your top end. You you need to see your stars converting in some level. So I feel like, um, it's that idea of like a, having Liz Cambage on the court really adds Vegas's value and having Liz and Kelsey Plum on uh, might actually not even necessarily at the same time, but just if they're both part of the roster, it almost exponentially adds to that value more than people might yeah. realize. She's yeah. able, she's able to kind of supplement that value pretty heavily. And also we're not looking at that. It's hard to say right now that Vegas really has that style of player coming off the, you know, that, yeah that kim perot type of player that can just really propel a roster yes attitude is not a metric that we have like a quantifiable number for but she has the attitude she's she's the east la crew in mighty ducks 2 that goes and roughs up team usa and is like i'm tired of seeing she she, she's got the knuckle puck yeah Um, and because by the way her postseason production last year in case you're wondering why we're talking about kelsey plum um first in three-point field goal percentage first in assists second on the in in, on the team in postseason scoring with 15 points a game and then fourth in rebounds and fourth in field goal percentage she shot nearly 50 percent from the field all last playoffs and she shot above 50 percent from the three-point line and she moved the ball well um she she is an emotional heartbeat this team is missing this year and the difference is for a long time, that was Daniel Robinson on a lot of the rosters that she's played. But I think because of how they've had to shift the rosters with injuries, she's had to have a little bit more of a court general mm-hmm. mindset as of late. And where we've seen a lot, and, and that's, I'm not trying to delineate any of D Rob's value. She's been extremely valuable and played extremely well as playoffs. She actually had a but very what we're, we haven't, we what haven't we're used to seeing her be is that exact type of emotional spark. She's really someone that lifts a roster that way. And we saw flashes of Plum doing that last season and it was awesome. It's one of those things that you see that type of player and you go, Vegas has got to figure it out. Like like they're filling the, yeah. the large and the small holes and like they, they're they're putting it together. Uh, and you can tell where what effect the loss is having at this point in the postseason. Obviously, when it's going to matter most. And so, it's not. I'm not here to say this is. This may still very well be a 2-0 series if Kelsey Plum is playing. But I look at those three players and I go, they all add some level of dynamic that you could potentially see a different result. And that's when things get interesting. I almost think it's all just to say, like, if this ends in a sweep we will hear no aces slander because this team at potential full strength next season is going to cause some fits. I I agree. I think moral victories are no fun, but that's a great way to lead up to this statement. Um, This aces team very much is just getting started. Are they not? I mean, you never know what cam beige is going to do if she's going to stay overseas or, be unhappy and not come back but i'm assuming she wants to play for a winning team and this squad is a pretty attractive group to play for um so you know i i'm always ragging on player health but just all their players available next year i think the aces are looking at a pretty good window i mean you you can never really tell what's going to happen in the future too much because other teams there's going to be a lot of movement 
Um, but mm-hmm. just like this Storm team has so much continuity from 2018 when they made their run, this Aces team's going to make another run at it. We'll probably see Washington get players back and make another run at it. These teams are winning championships right now in the past year and and currently that like they're built to be good for a few years. And I, you know, I, I don't, I know I'm singing basically their, their death right now. Like we're, we're not over yet in this series, but I, I really do. Uh, I just think this is the storm's year. I think it feels like they were just destined to do it this year because they had everybody in the bubble. They're all healthy breeze back. Sue's going out on top. It just feels like their year. Yeah. It's, that's where the waves are headed. So I, I feel like um, we've kind of already done the predictions, but I've already more or less said, I, I, I think that the result we saw in game one, the result we saw in game three, I'm expecting more of the same in game three. I see this being a pretty simple sweep for Seattle come Tuesday. Do you have any differing predictions as far as that's concerned? No. Um, I think the more interesting prediction is who the top three storm scorers are going to be since it's going to be Stewie and, and kind of say, drawing from a hat. I'm going to say Stewie and then Magbagor and uh, somehow Morgan Tuck, even though she's not playing. I like that. I like that. Somehow, even though she's a DNC, Morgan Tuck will show up and, and drop 24. I, I think we're going to get another Jewel Lloyd game and then a Jordan Canada game. And then I'm trying so hard to be different. And then a super game. Bird Lloyd in Canada. Bree Stewart's going to sit back and just be like, Stu's, I'm trying, Stewie's I'm taking trying the net off. I'm drawing Bring triple. me my trophy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is good fun. This is good fun. Well, there you have it. So that's, uh, you know, that's how we see it pounding out. Of course, um, Logan, let's say we're right, but let's also say we're wrong. People want to find a place to come at us for being way off in our predictions or being way off in our takes on this. Where can people find us to shoot those our way? Uh, that's ridiculous. We are never wrong. Uh, but if we were, not even once, we would be at WNBA Nation Pod on Twitter, where we like to interact with all of our WNBA Nation family. Um, you can also leave comments and ratings on this podcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast and listening uh, now. If you right at the end of this episode if you leave a five-star rating we'll make sure to give you a, a shout out on the show that helps people find our show and enjoy it and join the family of, of listeners that we've been able to cultivate which we really enjoy having um and then we also have a patreon page if you want to financially support the show get some fun kickbacks some extra episodes um some cutting room floor recordings from before and after these episodes when we turn the mics off we don't actually turn them off we keep talking ha <laughs> um <laughs> so sure. Am I supposed to say that? They're not supposed to know that. No. Um, for for every minute you listen to, there's like five minutes where we're talking about other things. And you can listen to a lot of those on our Patreon page. Um, and that is where to find us, how to rate us, how to spread the word. And uh, I think that's it. Absolutely. Uh, thank, thank, thank you for that. Uh, I, and of course, I, I've dropped this, this plug slash plea a little bit in the past, but I'll drop it again. Uh, following us on Twitter, if you're commenting on you know our show anywhere where your podcast be found, if you're over on our Facebook page and saying anything, uh, we are very open to your W history topic ideas. If you have players, teams, specific seasons, specific events, uh, 
discussion points, anything that you think would be a fun thing to chronicle. We've already gotten a couple pretty cool ones from some of our Twitter followers, and we're excited for that. Uh, we're building out uh, what we want to do for our first full season of the show. That'll be a lot of what we'll be doing over the, the postseason uh, to be coupled with a whole lot of other stuff that you know to expect from us. And so we want to hear what you have there. Um, and so I just keep pleading with people. If you have some cool ideas, send them our way. Uh, we just might end up making it through the show. And if you're the one who sparked the idea for that, uh, we'll, we'll make it a point to give you a shout out for submitting that as well. We're all about that. So let us know as far as that's concerned. That's our predictions, though, for game three of the 2020 WNBA Finals. Logan, one last thing we wanted to hit real quick, and this can be super short. It could be one of those things you and I think is super short that turns up long. But the WNBA announced their official all WNBA first and second teams as voted on by media and broadcasters. All at WNBA first team, Courtney Vandersloot from Chicago. Uh, actually, uh, no teams had two first team members this year. So, so every, you know, there's five teams represented, which is nice. Uh, the Sparks dropping Candace Parker's unanimous vote. Bree Stewart from Seattle is not a unanimous vote, which I know is a discussion point already. Asia Wilson out of the Aces and Enrique Agungawale from the Dallas Wings. Over on the second team, uh, Phoenix um, has two players. So this is the only team with two players under, under either, other, either team, which is nice. I don't know why I keep dropping in. Like, that's a fun fact. That's good for you to know. <laughs> uh, but Scott Smith, Dan Tarasi, second team. Uh, Dewana Bonner out of Connecticut. And Fisa Collier from Minnesota. And the Washington Mystics, Misha Hines-Allen which I think is fan-freaking-tastic because she was wonderful this year to watch. Logan, do you have any any dissent with these selections before we just – let's hit let's get right into the meat of it. Do you uh, have any axes to grind here? I, zero, zero axes to grind. Just another fun fact that I thought was crazy, almost impossible when I heard it, which is that Vandersloot's the only player that was on the All-NBA team last year that also made the team this year. Um, cause you, you look at all the players on the first team this year and you think they were all great last year, but you forget Stewart was injured. Diggin Smith maternity leave. Um, last year's team also had Belladon and John Quill Jones and Liz Cambage and, um, not Diana Tarazi because she was hurt and she only played a handful of games. So you, you'd think that these, uh, these all WMB teams are kind of the usual suspects, but Vandersloot, the only one to, to repeat in, in a back-to-back appearance. Yeah, yeah, a lot of circumstances there. We forget how strange 2019 was with injuries and all kinds of different factors that led to that decision as far as things go. We'll hit the kind of elephant in the room because this had come up that uh, we had a handful of players. Um, I, I know Candace Parker was one. I believe Asia Wilson was the other one that had unanimous vote into the first team. However, um, Bree Stewart was not one of them. So snubbed the MVP. And there were a couple of people apparently in media who determined she shouldn't be on the, the all WNBA first team. Now this already leads to another discussion in the MNBA and Anthony Davis and all of that conjecture. Tons of reasons why this could have happened. I guess I'll just ask right off the shoot. Is this a story? Uh, no, because we should all just understand that media is not immune to pettiness. Um, does that mean they should be voting? I don't know. That Maybe that's a story is, do we determine these awards correctly or should we look at that process? But 
honestly, the only story here is that I, I think it was purposeful. I don't think someone forgot Bree Stewart existed or forgot to fill out her name um, or thought she would be, you know, elected. So she they went somewhere else just to make sure they gave a shout out to their favorite player. I think it was a purposeful statement. Uh, I don't know what that statement might be other than like that Seattle team is really stacked with talent. So maybe she's not as good as people say because she's surrounded by so much talent. Um, that's really the only argument I could think of. And even that one's not a very good one, but maybe it's something. <laughs> I don't think that there is a basketball related proof you can make to say she doesn't, you know, I think it comes down to two different circumstances. One is pettiness. There really could be a couple people that are just like, I just don't like Stewie or <laughs> I just don't like the storm. Thus you don't get my vote. And if you don't think that that's possible, you should research something I like to call the baseball hall of fame association and their willingness <laughs> to be petty about every single person who's ever entered that hall of fame ever. It does happen. And I don't have anything to back up who or why someone would think that the other circumstance. And I think this could be extremely possible is someone who maybe had another person in mind that they knew maybe wouldn't get in. And, but they wanted to make sure that they were represented. Uh, if you look at, you know, you know, Candace Parker uh, getting in, if you're a Sparks voter, if you're LA market voter and you just thought, Hey, I'd love to see Chelsea Gray get a vote. It just, you know, just, out of respect or if you're uh you know aces fan and you want to drop in a vote for andrew mccotry or something like that or if you're an atlanta dream supporter or in that market and you're like kennedy carter should be on the team but she's probably not but i want to give her a support vote and i know stewie's getting in because it's going to hurt her chances in by any stretch so i'm going to sacrifice that vote and give like a courtesy vote to to another player that I think deserves to just have the nudge be like, Hey, by the way, you got to vote. You should feel good about that. You know, and I just thought of one more scenario and it's, it's a little out there, but I don't think it's impossible. And that's the, have we just, have we counted out like all the people who maybe got like one vote um, and, and found any like near misspellings of Bree Stewart? Like if someone wrote in like Britannia stalwart, like maybe that was supposed to be a vote. <laughs> And it just got sorted wrong. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we need to know. We need to see this ballot. Is it handwritten? Is it, like <laughs> is it a survey monkey? You know, like uh, is it a Google form that I just click a bubble, or is it literally like send us a, a post-it with <laughs> everyone's name, and they're like, by the way, Brendan Stewart. In like, case. In case you didn't know that, I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you before. I've been to a bowl game before in a professional capacity to cover football, and we voted for the players of the game, offensive defense, on post-it notes. They literally passed it down the line of reporters. So it's you, not out of the you question. Wrote, you wrote a name or you put a little tally mark if the name was already on there. <laughs> I'm going to put this... I'm going to go ahead and put this out. If you are a member of the broadcast organization, you know, if you, if you get a vote as a member of WNBA women's basketball media, if you officially get a vote and can somehow give us some color on what is the voting process, like what does the ballot look like? What do you send it on? How do you input it? I genuinely curious if you're listening to this right now, I would love to just physically see what that is. And I don't care how lame it is. If it's just a screenshot of a Google form, 
I want to see it. I'm interested. I'm I'm genuinely curious now that like if a typo <laughs> could keep like like if you spelled Asia Wilson like the continent Asia Wilson, <laughs> like does does she not get a vote? If you just start if you're not thinking right, um, you know, or if you vote for Courtney Vandersloof, like do you not get a vote? Like what if you just have like horrible handwriting? And you're like, well, I know these ones, but I can't figure out this one. I know it so starts weird. with a B. We I got the 99 votes for Briola Stannert, and then one for <laughs> I did that wrong. Anyway, you get what I was trying to say. <laughs> I totally get what you're no, no. I, I'm genuinely curious now. That's the only first thing of all, that makes sense because otherwise of all, someone's being mean. <laughs> first of all, and I say this with respect, I'm just saying that now I'm starting to wonder like. Should Arike have been a unanimous vote? <laughs> because I I get the, because we have we have to spell Ogumake and Ogumbawale all the time. And Ogumake has the W early on. And I always mix up which one I do that with. I'm also bad at spelling, is a big part of it. So, but that's an easy case where like people forget the H or the W or the Z in my name all the time. So it's very possible that, you know, now I'm starting to look at names like, are these two, what if you spelled Misha Heinz Allen without the Y? <laughs> like, maybe she would have been first team. Maybe you didn't sound out Tarasi while you wrote it down. Because I've done that well, at times, Tarasi. Nobody spelled Tarasi wrong because they all would have had the fear of God put in them. <laughs> <laughs> That's just when, like, I, I write out Tarasi the same way I spell restaurant. I have to go, like, <laughs> really restaurant to remember how it's spelled because I'm a, I'm a dork, and that's how it works. I'm embarrassed to admit the one that gets me, like, Ogumbawale is easy for me. It's exactly like it sounds. Elena Deladon, man, there's all these L's and these E's and these N's. <laughs> you know how it that's is. That's an interesting one. That is an interesting one. I'm now looking at like, man, are there other teams? We miss you, Elena. Come back to the league soon. Yeah, please play basketball. It's, it's so nice when you're around. Um, I'm trying to think. I know there's others. We, if we don't have time to dive, dive into all this stuff. That said, obviously, congratulations to the uh, selectees of, or, you know, of the all WNBA first and second team. Pretty cool and exciting thing. Uh, and that's really everything we have for the show. Logan, is there anything that we need to harp on real quick before we call today? That's it. Tune in for game three on the sixth. It should be a good one. Um, the NBA game won't be a clinching game for uh, for the Lakers, so you don't need to pay attention to that game. Uh, just watch the yeah, game. Yeah, no, that's nothing. <laughs> that's nothing. I certainly didn't tonight, and, you know, there's no reason to care about that at all. <laughs> Nor baseball, because who watches baseball? You have, but you do have game three, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, and should be exciting, and... Who knows? Maybe next week we'll get another weird Kate McKinnon joke about the WNBA on SNL. Because <laughs> that was... I can't decide if that was disrespectful or not, by the way. Like the way that they... I don't know if you know the video I'm referencing. Yeah, at least they did the research to know who was in the finals. Yeah, give them that. Yeah, I'll give them that, that they actually were like, hey, these are the names of the teams. So it's like the first time in a while. I just didn't know. Like, I watched it on the fence. Like, is it an interesting kind of cool shout out? Or is this kind of like a, you guys are sliding 
the WNBA because you're talking about the NBA and the conversation type of thing. I just haven't picked, I haven't paid attention to Saturday Night Live and long enough. I haven't either, but if, if they talk more about the WNBA and Tony Hawk, I'm going to have to start. <laughs> I didn't even know. That says you how much I watch. I didn't even know like Tony Hawk. Has Tony Hawk hosted? No, but they would be fortunate to have like Tony Hawk and Asia Wilson like on the show. Yep. Just not even as hosts, but just like roll in. Just to be clear. Players. Just to be clear, Asia's your pick. Like if, if they if we get one player that we can invite to host SNL. Actually, I think Diamond would be my pick. Okay. I think that's I just pick. I know that this one's probably too obvious and some people might not like it, but Bird Pino did such a good job with the ESPYs. <laughs> that that's, that's true. That's true. And the, and there's like the Between Two Birds series that the Storm did was hysterical. I I think Bird has chops in her to totally work with the Nestle cast. We're gonna have to I'd push for that. table this, and when we have Kyle, we're gonna talk about this. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna dedicate an entire episode to who's hosting Saturday Night Live because I'd love to see some. I'm shocked we haven't really seen that at this point because I think there's women's soccer players that make a lot of sense. Serena Williams makes a lot of sense. Has has Ronda Rousey hosted one? This is a yeah. We need to make more time for this discussion. This is. This is suddenly very important to me more than it needs to be. <laughs> uh, well, if there's nothing else, that's really everything we do have for the show though. So we'll be excited to check out game three on Tuesday evening and whether that's the end of the season or it's not, we'll enjoy an off season after that, or we'll enjoy more games. There's just a lot of stuff to enjoy. It's a fun time to be a fan of the WNBA. So until all of that, thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.